0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Sometimes a conversation ends up being very, very important. Sometimes we know it going into those conversations, and those are really tough, right? When you're facing, I need to have this conversation with somebody, and, um, and you do... And you hope that it turns out well. You pray that it turns out well. But other times, conversations begin, and, and you don't know when the conversation begins that it's going to become one of those really important conversations. You know, whether it's with a parent or a child, a spouse, a good friend, a coworker, the boss, a neighbor, you don't know. And the conversation we're going to look at today, the portion of the conversation we're going to look at, it started off like that with Jesus, because Jesus had been, you know, large crowds following him, and he fed them miraculously. You remember, he, he multiplied the bread and fish and fed them when they were hungry, and he did this miraculously. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if today at the church we had one pizza come in and I fed all of you? I just kept handing the pizza out, except for Fran. Is Fran here? Well, Fran, you may be listening <laughs> online here later, and all of you listening online l- later. Uh, we're glad that you are. But anyway, so that would be pretty awesome. A- and you just might tell your friends, listen, pastor's giving us pizza. He's going to do a miracle again next week. Come on. Do you, what right, would you think? Or would you just keep it to yourself? I don't know. You guys are worrying me. <laughs> you probably would. Well, anyway, so Jesus... They, they went overnight in a boat across to the other part of this huge lake, the Sea of Galilee there. And when the people got up in the morning, Jesus was gone. And they, so they took off because somebody had seen where he was going. They took off and around. So by the time Jesus got to the other side, they were there waiting for him. And Jesus talking to them, he says, you know, you guys are here not because you're necessarily really getting it yet. You're here because I fed you with a miracle. And this begins a conversation that they have that really becomes a crucial, crucial conversation that became a fork in the road for many people's lives. And so we want to look at that conversation today, and we're going to focus on down toward the end of it and and, then really focus in on just a a very uh, concise part of it. But let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 6. And if you're here and you don't have a Bible with you, we'd encourage you to take the, the Bible that's there in the pew and follow along. And we're going to be starting on page 1229, 1,229 in the Bible that's there in the pew. And so Jesus, in this conversation, he really begins to ratchet it up because he knows that they're following him for the wrong reason. Can, by the way, can people follow Jesus for the wrong reason? Yeah, and really they aren't following Jesus at that point. They're following something that they want to do, and they're using Jesus at that point. And, um, so Jesus really begins to bring the, the, the focus of this discussion down to, listen, guys, it's about a relationship with me. And it's about a relationship with me at a level you don't understand. In fact, I'm the bread of life that's come down from heaven. In fact, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you can't be my disciples. Now that just got weird, didn't it? <laughs> now it's clear as he's talking, we can go through the whole passage, and especially the things we look at today, that he was being very much symbolic. The idea of what he was going to do when he died on the cross, dying physically, shedding his blood for us. As he did that, um, that he was going to provide for us a relationship. And when we accept his death for our sins and His shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That we accept that when we receive Him as Savior, we, we bring Him into our lives, don't we? And that's what he was talking about when he said, unless you eat my blood and drink my, uh, eat my body, and drink my blood. He's talking about, you gotta, this has to become real for you. You have to take it in to you. Not the literal body, not the literal blood. He's not calling us to be cannibals. But what it meant. Okay? And so... When he said this, they didn't all understand that, and they were kind of getting weird out. Now, Jesus had already talked many times and used symbols and things that they had to wrestle with. That's what a lot of the parables were, right? And so they were used to having to wrestle with these things, but this was just getting too hard. And so we start in verse number 60 of chapter 6. And it says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, and by disciples, these are the people who were following him around, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So what are you going to do when you see me go up into heaven? When I eventually do what? How are you going to deal with this stuff if you don't understand? His, you know, because they were all, all struggling with, eat his body, drink his blood, physical, you know, why would we eat his body? I don't, they were struggling with that. And so now he, he clears something up. He says this, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You see how he's just telling them that eat my body, drink my blood? This is a spiritual truth. And it's a spiritual truth that will bring life to you. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Now, how... How do we know if, 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 you know, it has been granted him by my Father? Well, God the Father has set up the terms of salvation. You can't do it on your own terms. You can't negotiate a deal with God when it comes to being saved. You have to come on his terms. And so the Heavenly Father has set this up, that you have to acknowledge that you have sinned against God and that your sins have separated you from God and that the uh, punishment for that is an eternity in hell. Okay? You have to come to that awareness. And then you must believe that Jesus was the Son of God who came down from heaven, lived this perfect, sinless life, the man Jesus, dying for our sins on the cross, rising again from the grave. And then the last condition is that you yield your will and say, I I trust you. I I, I can't fix this problem. I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. He is Lord. And, And you make that decision. And you're born again. That is the terms that the Father has set up. And so, every person who's willing to to come to a relationship with Christ by these terms, that has been granted to him by the Father. Does that make sense? He's laid out the pathway. And so, anybody who will follow that pathway can have a relationship with Christ. And so, that's who the Father has granted to come. Verse 66, from that time, get this, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. All right, so this is just too much. It's too hard. We don't. We're tired of messing with it, tired of struggling with it. We're going back. Then Jesus said to the 12, Do you also want to go away? What a question. And we're not really going to focus in on that too much today, but what if the Lord said to you today, Do you want to go away? Do you want to leave? There might be some of you here today who are on that tipping point. Okay, so we're going to talk about something today that's going to help you make the best decision here. But, verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I, I, I love that answer. Because did Simon say, Simon Peter, as we know him, Peter, did he say, ah, no sweat, Lord, we're with you? Is it possible that Peter was also struggling with what Jesus had said? Is that possible? That he didn't necessarily know how it all worked out and it sounded hard and he's seeing people leave because of it? But Peter, understand, he said, where would we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. You're the one who, who, who knows what we need to know and how to, what we need to do and how we need to respond. There's nowhere else to go. We've looked. And I want to tell you that, that's what we're going to see today. There is nowhere else to go if you want real life. We'll talk more about what real life is in a minute. But if you want real life, there is nowhere else to go. Verse 69, also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus goes on and talks about Judas there briefly. And we don't need to to look at that now. Let's let's pray. Let's talk a little Lord, we, we come to you uh, reading about this conversation here today. And we want to understand, Lord, what at the core of it, what, what is it that we need to learn from this conversation? And, and I pray that you will do as you've promised, that as we consider your word and open up our hearts and minds to you, that you would speak to us, that your spirit deep into our hearts and minds, would help us to see what we need to see as a church, but also as individuals today. I pray that we would have a conversation with you and that our response would be one that honors and glorifies you. And we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, let's go back and focus in on part of this conversation specifically. Verse number 63. Now, Jesus was talking here about you know, who He was and what He was going to do and how they needed a relationship with that and how intimate this relationship had to be that He, he compared it to eating His body and drinking His blood. But under this, we get there's a, there's a core principle here for us to understand. And He says this, verse 63, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. And so what I want you to understand is this today, and it's not going to go up on the screen now, it'll go up on the screen later, but I want you to understand this, that real life only comes from God. Real life. He says right here, the Spirit gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. Now, what kind of life does God give us? He gives us eternal life, right? That's what we typically think of. And we we tend to think of eternal life as being, okay, I die, And now I go to heaven to be with God forever, eternal life. And that's part of it. But I want you to understand that eternal life is more than that. Eternal life is not just about length. Eternal life is about quality. What kind of life? And when the Spirit gives life, whose life is he giving? God's life. The Holy Spirit's life. Jesus' life. God's life. All right? He gives His life, and it is eternal. But I tell you what, I already have eternal life today. Not just when I die. I have eternal life today. Why? Because on April 4th, 1975, when I finally said, okay, I get it, I'm lost, I I need you, I, I, I believe, I receive Christ as Savior, at that very moment, God Himself came to live inside. And He gave me His life because I was spiritually dead and I needed his life. We talked about being born again a few weeks ago. But he came to live with me, so I got his life, and that's a different kind of life. The life of God that he gives us is a satisfying life. Now, just trying to think how to explain this. Before we come to Christ, do we think we have a life yeah, sometimes you've, you know, somebody told you, get a life. <laughs> but, you know, you, you have a life, and, and, and we, in life we are trying to, every one of us, we want to feel like we matter, don't we? That's, that's built in. We want to matter. You know why that's built in? is because God made people to matter. In the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve, he made them to matter. And he gave them significant things to do. They had a role to play in the eternal plans and purposes of God. They matter. And we see that they didn't matter because their wrong choice has mattered for the rest of human history. So we all want to matter. And we also all want to feel loved and secure and safe. I mean, insecurity drives people to do crazy things, doesn't it? Things. You say, why do you do that? Well, they felt insecure and they're trying to somehow rather feel secure. And so we have these things in us. We want to be, have purpose in life and a meaning that it goes with that and satisfaction, contentment, uh, fulfillment, w- whatever words you want to put it. That's, we all have that desire. And what I want you to see today, and we see clear from this text, is the only way you get that kind of life is from God. What you have naturally in your life, what the world offers you in life, will never do it. See, the Spirit gives real life. And when we're connecting with, and by the way, just because God lives within you doesn't mean you experience that life. Okay? It isn't, God doesn't force us to do things. Because He wants us to love Him, He doesn't force us. He wants us to choose. But anyway, so Jesus comes to live within me. God comes to live within me when I get saved and begins working on me. But I have choices to make every day, sometimes many times in a day. I have a choice, and I'm faced with a situation, and there's a desire in me to matter. And so a decision comes up. And and, uh, maybe it's a decision related to work, or it's a decision related to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's a decision made to some of the relationships. And in this relationship, I want to feel like I matter. Well, I have a choice at this point. Do I look to God to feel like I matter? Or do I look to somebody else? And if I look to somebody else, and I'm going to try to get this person to make me feel like I matter, not going to work. Because who gives life? God gives life. Real life, that life that you're looking for only comes from God. Now, you know, probably we could have settled that real quick. I could have just asked in the beginning, does real life come only from God? And you all would have said, yes, it does. But we don't live that way. Far too often we don't live that way. We can live that way. We should live that way, but far too often we don't. And so Jesus says here, it's the spirit who gives life. And then he says this, the flesh profits nothing. Now, by flesh, let's make sure we understand what he's talking about. You know, I mean, the Bible uses the word flesh. Sometimes it means flesh and blood, just like this. Okay, it can mean our physical bodies and what we do with them. Uh, But flesh, very often in the Bible, uh, deals with more of a, a conceptual idea of being ourselves operating independently from God. That's flesh. Notice we're doing what comes natural. Uh, you know, uh, I love musicals. Uh, I enjoy them. Uh, and get your gun. All right. Doing what comes. There's a couple of you who knew that. Yeah. All right. And, and so, you know, there are senses in which we do what comes naturally. That's fine. But when we are trying to find life that, that, that just is what we're desiring. We're trying to find that satisfaction or that security or that significance, and we're trying to find that. When we just do what comes naturally, we operate ourselves independently from God. We aren't even thinking about God. We aren't trying to get, we're trying to work it out down here. That's the flesh. And what did Jesus say about the flesh? It profits nothing not going to work. And so if we put a math equation on the board, right? The flesh, and add anything else to it, it still is zero. zero. It's nothing. It will never meet the desires of your heart. Okay? It, it, and I remember, we Glenda had out our uh, scrapbook last night, and we were looking back at when we were dating and, and how, you know, she still looks the same, and I look like an old man. And... <laughs> It was just, but it was so much fun. And I I started remembering, again, so cool, the feeling of when I first asked her out. And that, I'm gonna go see Glinda. <laughs> that is so awesome, right? And that's, you know, it's cool, and God uses all that. But the reality is this, that what my wife and I have learned over the years is that We really can't provide what the other person needs deep down in the heart. Because that's real life stuff. We can be a blessing to each other, and God can use us to encourage each other in it. But my wife has found out that I make a really lousy God. She does a better job than me, but she's still not there. See, and so if we're in a relationship and we think, I can get out of this relationship, this sense of I matter, this sense of I am secure. And there's some of you here today, first of all, your, your kids and your teens, you're thinking that if I could just have that boyfriend and that girlfriend, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Some of you are single here today, adults, and you're thinking, if I could just have that. No. The Spirit gives life. God is the one. He is the source of real life. Now, and when you yield yourself to Him in that, and you begin to live that way, then all of a sudden this other person that you are in love with becomes a great blessing instead of somebody you're trying to suck the life out of. Are, you understand what I'm talking about? Am I getting across that makes sense? That I'm trying to get something from you that you can't really give me. See, that's flesh. The flesh profits nothing. But but once again, in this marriage relationship, when my wife and I get it that, wait a minute, real life only comes from God, and so we pursue our relationship with him. And then in my relationship with him, he says, love your wife. Love her the way I love you. And then I, so I begin to love her. That's a blessing to her, and it helps her to experience God's love. But do you see the difference? We're, We're looking to God first because real life only comes from him. The flesh profits nothing. So think about this, what people do, and what you have done, some of you here have done. When it comes time to, you know, I, I don't feel safe or secure, I'm afraid, I, I'm doubting what's going to happen, I'm, I'm burdened, uh, I'm depressed, I'm tired, I'm whatever those things are, and so, I decide to pick up the bottle and just drown it. I'm trying to address the issues of life, aren't I? I don't like this feeling, I want a different feeling, And so I drown it, and then, and then the alcohol clouds my brain enough that I don't think about so much anymore, and I think I'm maybe even having fun, or I just, you know, don't, I've numb myself, whatever it is. And where does that leave me later? A better place? A worse place. Why? Because the flesh profits nothing. And you can apply this anything. By the way, some people's drug of choice is their career, right? And you make career decisions. Now, let's let's look over in, in chapter uh, earlier in chapter six here. Let's take a quick look. Verse 26, they said, When did you come here? Where did you come? Remember, they chased him around the lake. When did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. He's doing the Father's work, but I will give you this life. Don't work for for food that perishes. Don't work for rewards that go away. Right? Okay. Most of you are supposed to go to work tomorrow, right? Right? You should just call up the boss tomorrow morning and say, you know, I've decided I'm going to stop working for food and money and things that perish. <laughs> Don't do that. What <laughs> I want you to see is this. If you go to work tomorrow, and whether it's something that you love and it's a career choice and you, you're so into it and you're trying to get your sense of satisfaction there, you're maybe you're getting great monetary rewards there, or you're just going, because i got to work to pay the rent You've got to stop doing that. Because the flesh, what? Profits nothing. Real life only comes from? Okay. So what do we do about then, about going to work? Well, what we want to do is we want to say, wait, real life comes from you, God, so I'm going to look to you for all of this. What do you want me to do? I think you should go to work in the morning. Okay. And you go to work in the morning, but it's different now. You're looking to God. You're no longer looking to where you're working for these things. And, and so guess what? That boss that you don't like, he's not your boss anymore. Who's your boss? Yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ is your boss. And you go to work, and you show up at work, and you say, Lord, okay, what do you want me to do? And he says, well, I want you to do what the, the, the boss tells you to do. Okay. Who are you doing it for now? You're doing it for the Lord, and you're honoring your boss, because that's what the Lord has told you to do, and you're working hard for him, or her, whatever. And and he says, okay, the boss wants you to go over here and do this, Lord, go do what he says. And you go do it, and you're working fine. And this is all of a sudden, your work has changed. Because you're looking to God for life, not to your work, not to your relationship to work. And then, then one day, the boss says to you, hey, listen, we want you to fudge those numbers. Let's just change those numbers because it doesn't look very good and we want to, you know, so don't do that. You say, Lord, and the Lord goes, no, we're not going to do that. But I might lose my job. Real life only comes from God. The flesh profits nothing. Do you see how this is going to free you? Same thing in your relationships. Yeah, I I, I want this relationship that I have to last. I want it to to endure. I I, I like to enjoy it. I want all those things. But you know what? Real life doesn't come from this relationship. And so if I have to lose this relationship to seek real life with God, I will let that relationship go. And young people, listen. I I know that you, you have this drive in you to have a relationship and with your boyfriend or a girlfriend. But you have to settle in your heart that I am not going to get my life from this guy. I'm not going to get my life from this girl. Because that's not going to do anybody any good. And I guarantee you what will happen, if you're thinking you're going to get life from this guy, when this guy doesn't act like a Christian and wants to push the boundaries on you morally, you're in a rock and a hard place because you're hoping to get life from this guy and you can't afford to lose him. So, and we can just turn this around the other way. I'm not picking, but you see what I'm trying to say? You see why this matters? And the, not knowledge does the flesh profit nothing, the flesh then does damage. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh which war against your soul. It affects you on the inside, not just the outside. Thankfully, God is so gracious, isn't he? When we turn to him for life, he forgives that stuff, cleans it up, and we go on, thankfully. Well, how are we gonna get this? How is it gonna become real in our lives? Let's, let's read, look back here in John chapter six, where we were originally, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Now, Jesus is talking about the things he was saying to them right there. But by application for us today, do you understand that these words are spirit and they are life? They give us life. And when you start to understand this, that the flesh profits nothing, here's what's going to happen. You're going to stop. Okay, all right, it's morning, you know, okay, the alarm, what I got to do today, checklist. Oh, yeah, I got to read my Bible. Forget it, right? Can you read your Bible in the flesh, doing your own thing separate from God? Can you do that? Yes, you can. You ought not, but you can. And if you think that's the case, it's like these, okay, magically, if I'll just read these words, something's going to happen. You know, I think you'd have just as much luck of just sleeping with it like this then. But when you start to understand that, that God gives life, the flesh profits nothing, and then he says the words I've given you are, are spirit and life. Wow, okay, what do I need to do? I need to start spending some time with God in the Bible. I need to try to, you know, there's lots of it you don't understand, but there's plenty of it that you will understand. And you read and you learn and you let it change how you think and change, the Bible says, that God says that when we take his word in like this, open to it, it actually produces faith in us and helps us to believe. See, it's bringing real life. Real life. And so we need to get into his word and let him speak to us about these things and and like uh, the Thessalonians, when uh, Paul praises them, because he says this, he says, when I came to you and we preached to you the word of God, he says, you didn't accept it as words of men. He said, you accept like it really was what God says. And so that's the way we will go to the word, because we understand that life only comes from God. And now we open up his word, which are spiritual words that will bring real life to us when we understand it and begin to live by it, begin to see the world this way. And then the next phrase he says, but there are some of you who do not believe. Now in one sense, we could say that's about being saved, right? Some of you have never trusted Christ to save, you've never received, haven't believed in that way. And that's absolutely true. There is no life apart from God, right? Real life comes from God and it starts with receiving Christ as Savior. And if you haven't done that, you need to do it. If you don't know how to do it, grab one of those communication cards in the pew and check off, I need to talk to somebody. i it like to talk to somebody. But most of us here today have received Christ as Savior. But the question is, do you really believe? Do you believe yet that real life only comes from God? Do you really believe that? Are you still caught up in the flesh? My own ways of figuring this out. How are you going to change this? You have to begin to think conscious. First you've got to settle your heart with God. God, I, I want to be where you want me to be. I don't want to be You know, this natural way that I've been. I want to be where you want me to be. But then you're going to have to settle in your mind and and start to think this way and start to see the world this way, that real life only comes from God. And that the flesh profits nothing. And then you can start making decisions that way. It's huge. I, I got to tell you, even for me this week, there were a couple decisions that came up in my life, and I'm looking at it, and I'm really kind of being pulled this way and this way, and, and all of a sudden, I, I, I'm working on this sermon. Wait a minute. This isn't going to bring life. This isn't going to do what I think I'm really wanting it to do. Because let's face it, every time you're facing temptation to sin, and whatever yours is, we all have things that we struggle with, okay, that pull us towards sin when it starts to pull, you, know, you say, wait a minute, that is not going to do for me what I think it's going to do. Because real life only comes from God. That's only going to hurt me. What am I doing? And maybe you're already down the line with it. What am I doing? And get back out of it. But So we have to believe this. Or it won't make any difference in our lives because we'll just keep doing what we've always done. And so... real. I want you to just say with me. Real life only comes from God. Say it with me. Real life only comes from God. And what I really want you to focus in on is even something much simpler than that. Just the phrase, only from God. Only from God. You all got one of these when you came in today, right? Hopefully. Why don't you get it out? Get it out and hold it up for me. Just hold it up. You don't have no way up in the sky. Just, just hold it up in front of you. And I just want to say this. What is the key to experiencing real life? What is the key to beginning to experience satisfaction and contentment and purpose and security? And sig- what is the key? You have to remember that that kind of life, What? Only from God. And, and by the way, it is, I should have said this, it isn't always immediate. Sometimes when you, know, you look to God for real life, it's a process to get there. And the flesh offers you instant gratification that will leave you worse off than you were before. But so we want to look at this key. What I want you to do is I want you to put this key on your key ring, and yeah, it's a blank. It won't open anything but put it on your key ring, uh, put it in your car, put it on the the fridge, mount it, or or in your, but whatever you want. That's going to remind you, when you go about your life today, living that real life, what? It's only from God. And let this remind you. Every time you see this key, what three words are you going to think of? Only from God. Real life comes only from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your ministry and the conversations that you had on earth. Thank you for putting them in your word, which is now makes them spirit and life words. I pray today, Father, that this would just be so clear in our, heart, our minds and, Lord, that we would settle it into our hearts that real life only comes from you. And I pray, Father, it will make a difference in our choices in life, what we experience in life, and you'll just set us free and then stir us up, maybe even use the word set us on fire for you, Lord. I pray for those here today who this is kind of all new to and may they haven't received your son yet as Savior. I pray that, that they just open their hearts and move towards you, God, and, and, and ask questions that they need to have answered so they can come to that point to receive your son as Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.